Hello and welcome back to Walk the Cinema podcast. Today we are starting our Fellini showcase. This will be the first of four episodes that we are going to be doing focusing on Fellini's films. And we're going to start off today with La Strada. But first, a word from our sponsor. So we just finished the uh, Oscar coverage. That that was felt like a long time. It did. <laughs> yeah, and so we decided to just take a whole month with <laughs> Federico Fellini's films. Yeah, this is not the first Fellini yeah. movie that we've watched. We've been kind of watching his films in chronological order. So mm-hmm. we started with his first film where he co-directed with Variety Lights. Yeah. And we've seen The White Sheik and... Il Bidone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we decided to start with this one because... I think it's pretty established as his first big success, which I don't even agree with. I think Obidoni is already a big success, but but I think it's not as like widely yeah known in the community as this as one. Lestrada. This one, even though it was, especially in Italy when it came out, it was a little divided. It was still very financially successful, and internationally it was very well received, mm-hmm. and it still is. So. Yeah, it's a great way to start on Fellini. Yes, and I feel like we can't talk about Fellini without talking about his his muse, his wife, the star of this movie, mm-hmm. Giulietta Messina. And she is the star of the movie. I feel like she's more of the star of the movie than he is. You mean Anth- Anthony Quinn? Or- no, I mean Fellini. Fellini. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I think she, like this is her movie. This yeah. is a, she's so good. It's, like, impossible to have a movie with her and her not be the focus. Like, she was in his earlier movies, but not as the star. Yeah, this was the first time that she was the main character, I think. Because even in Variety Lights, she does play a, a big part, but yeah. she's not the focus of the film. No. Like, you're not going through her journey. Mm-hmm. Whereas, in this, you kind of are. Yeah, this is their first collaboration where she's the star mm-hmm. and, and this was a um a uh kind of it had american stars as well yeah anthony quinn mm-hmm. was relatively big at the time and this is early 50s mm-hmm. and uh richard basehart um also played mm. a not not a main part but definitely very important a very important part yeah he's the one that Kind of tests the main character's relationship, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this is Messina's movie. And she's so good. And people compare her, especially in this particular movie, to like a... They've called her like a female Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. But she's so uniquely herself that I don't think comparisons are fair. I agree. I get it. Like, I get what it comes from. But I think she's herself and it, and she's very good at it. And she doesn't need to be compared with anyone else to show how great she is. And this movie, I feel like, is not very deviating from what Fellini had done before. Like, thematically and just structurally. Yeah. But this one has such good performances. Because Anthony Quinn's also really good. Like, he's, it really has the asshole vibe. Yeah, he's the perfect Zappano. And, and uh, you know, I think that my pronunciation of the character names are a little... 
We're not butchered. Italian. So. But um, <laughs> Zafano is definitely a very hard character, I think, to focus on, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be, you know? It, He's it, cold and yeah. like he buys his wife's. Yeah. Like, that's what... Now it's weird. I guess at the time it's more, like, topical because it was something that was happening in post-war Italy. Yeah. Where families didn't have money and... They would just kind of accept yeah. what they could get. So, yeah, he buys his wife to take advantage of the people that don't have anything. hmm And kind of just forces her to be his worker, I guess. Yeah. Which, I guess, sucks. And he's brutal with her, like he whips her for not getting stuff right the first try. Yeah, and he's a very cold, yeah, like you said, he's a very cold character. And he doesn't express his emotions very well, even when you kind of know that he, in his own way, cares for Messina's character. Mm -hmm. He doesn't show it in a way that is acceptable you know right we don't even know that he cares for her until he might lose her that's when he kind of shows it yeah but yeah this they imply that it's not the first time he just carried a woman around has his prop yeah and i kind of wonder if this is kind of like a cycle for him or if she was the first one that he actually kind of cared about you yeah. know what I mean? Because her sister, Jocelyn's sister, Rosa, was the one that he had before her, but she died. Did she die? Or she she sick? did die. Okay, did that's die. how it starts. That's how it starts. Is her sister's her sister died, and she's being bought in as a replacement, basically. It start it starts the shot that starts it is the main character in the beach. Mm-hmm. Then it also ends with. The main man character in the beach. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, it's one of the things that I think Fellini does really well is his imagery kind of like with that. Because in an earlier film that he did, The White Sheik, um, you kind of have the characters in that movie, the two characters start with each other. And then they both kind of go on a different journey mm-hmm. to find themselves kind of, but then they come back yeah. together at the end. It's kind of like a parallel type thing in that movie too. So I do I do think that this movie is a is a showcase of his earlier stuff while also being like just a really good film. It also has the components of entertainment industry and just artistic industry that the White Cheek has. Because mm-hmm. the White Cheek is you know partly about an actor and variety lights is about like acts yeah and this future movies are also going to be about other entertainment factors but this is about the the moving circus or the moving entertainers mm-hmm. the ones that travel yeah and this is always kind of a focus of his i know he loves clowns and he loves the circus and acts like that so it makes sense, but it's also like really cool to see the portrayal mm-hmm. of it in this timeline, right? Because I don't know what traveling as an artist meant in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And this is really cool to see. It's very hard for them, clearly. And they're living not very comfortably. They're always trying to find a place to sleep. And there's one night where the Masima character just sleeps on the street because he takes another woman with him. Yeah. On his bike shack. Yeah. 
And it's, it's, he's such a hard character to like, and that was done on purpose. And I can kind of see, I don't know exactly if this was his intention. I know he, he intended to make a character that was hard to like, but I kind of wonder if it's kind of a take on toxic masculinity a little bit. Because, you know, you see that his actions lead to stuff that he really doesn't want to happen. For example, He's so angry at the fool Mm -hmm. that he ends up accidentally killing him. He didn't intend for that to happen, but because he's so filled with rage and and anger and he doesn't know how to express those feelings. Yeah, he's very masculine in the way that you portray masculinity Mm -hmm. at this time, where it's very like... He's a strong man. Strong, giant. His act is being strong. Yeah. His attitude is like... I'll beat you up. Like, you're done yeah, and you talking s- to me. You see those types of characteristics getting him in trouble. Mm-hmm. He he kills a man. Right. And then he ends up, as a result of that, leaving the woman that he has with him, that he took from her house. That he started to like. That he started we, to we, like. Because we do see him kind of checking in on her yeah he does check in on her but he's not good at it so he he's like i can't just carry her around she's dead weight at this point so he leaves her yeah and even after he leaves her he kind of tries to find where she has been make sure she's all right yeah ask people if they've seen a weird looking girl around very eccentric someone with a trumpet yeah they really nailed the look though which is i mean we read because we got the Criterion release and it comes with all these beautiful books. Yeah, and, and essays that are really, they're very interesting to read. Yeah, we read that Fellini like, really, really wanted that look and he kind of messed her hair up. Mm-hmm. He put glue on it or something. Yeah, so to get her to look a certain way. It worked great. She's, she's funny just standing there, the faces she makes. Because this movie's also really funny when she's just like kind of lost because she is like not very non- knowledgeable mm-hmm. she's like a country girl that's never done anything so when she's in the cities and stuff she's kind of confused and she's also scared that Zapano could just do whatever he wants to her and not yeah. allow her to do like when the fool wants her to play the trumpet for her she's scared that Zapano wouldn't allow her even though it's so insignificant yeah, but she knows that he's a very aggressive type person. Yeah, and she's scared because she has nowhere else to go. She yeah. doesn't know anything besides him taking her places. Yeah. I agree. And I think that her, she does have this certain innocence about her. Which, I guess my only thing that I could possibly criticize this for mm-hmm. is maybe... I could see her be, like, because Messina was in her 30s at this point when she played um, Jesselmina. And I think that the character reads way younger than that. It does. I mean, I don't know if they mention it, but I would assume, like, early 20s. That's what I would assume, too. And I think that that would be my only gripe with it, is that I think that she maybe might be a little too old, but she's such a perfect person for the character it doesn't it it doesn't take away from it no i can't you know what i mean i'm I'm not gonna complain about anything with her she's always great she always knows how to play certain characters yeah because she's so funny in this and then we're gonna talk about knights of kabiria like 
two episodes from now? Mm, I think it's the next episode. Okay, and like, that's a totally different character that she's also really funny in, Mm -hmm. which is anything but foolish in that. Yes. So, it's a totally different character. She plays it differently, but she's a... She nails it. She was a star, honestly. I agree. And, I mean, this movie is just so iconic. It won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Picture. It was Picture. the first one. Yes, the very first one. So, it always has that <laughs> for it. Um, but and also... It, it would have won it all over again if it came out today. I mean... Yeah. But it also got at least nominated for Best Writing and Best Original Screenplay. Or Best Writing, Best Original Screenplay. That they had that was the title of it back then in the 50s. Um, it didn't win, but it did get nominated. Well, history doesn't change, does it? No. To this day, I mean, foreign films do get nominated. We just talked about all the stuff from the Oscars. And we had... Two foreign films being nominated mm-hmm. for different screenplay categories, and just you know, it's different. Yeah, I feel like people do ignore the foreign screenplays more than. Well, the thing about this one is, since it was kind of co-opted between like American production mm-hmm. and Italian production, it was it was shot like a spaghetti western where the actors were speaking in their own language, and then it was dubbed depending yeah, this on. This is before the spaghetti western. Yeah. So. I mean, this happened a lot. The Italian film industry was very big. Mm. And he made movies for international audiences the same way that a lot of people grew up on, like, Hong Kong kung fu movies that were dubbed. Yeah. Like, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, like, those were all dubbed the same way. And that doesn't really happen anymore, which is kind of a shame and kind of, like, good. Because they were, like, high-quality productions. There's really fun movies. They're great to watch. But now, now when we think of horror movie, we think more of a hard house approach. Mm-hmm. That's true. But there's a lot of uh, directors that consider this one of their favorite movies, mm-hmm. like Akira Kurosawa and um, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, like, we saw really the Scorsese inspiration in- from this. I also feel like we already cover the Holy Mountain by Jodorowsky and I feel like this is clearly very influential to him Mm. again he's still alive he can still reply to us (laughs) I requested this in the Holy Mountain episode yeah we we keep coming back to that movie because that movie is (laughs) so unique and just rewatchable and it embeds itself in you and makes you just anything you see you're like oh that could be in the Holy Mountain like, that's why this person did that. Because La Strada is kind of a road trip movie? I guess in a way. It is called The Road. Yeah, they go from place... To, yeah, La Strada means the road in Italian. They go to, from place to place. But the roads themselves are, like, always very empty. The scenery around it is just a couple trees in the sky. There's no no, like, identifiable features most of the time, and... It kind of portrays the emptiness of their travel. Like they're not traveling because they're on a road trip or they're having. F- they're just moving from here to there to try to make a living. Yeah. And there's no joy in it for them. That's true. It is very methodical in how they 
have to go from place to place because, you know, you can only stick around for so long before everyone's seen your act. I mean, you, you break know? a chain with your chest. It's, I wouldn't consider that very entertaining. Yeah. Maybe if you see it live for the first time, you know, never had internet. Right? It's like, oh, damn, that's a strong dude. <laughs> He's what, 110 pounds? He's huge. <laughs> so, yeah, but this is so... I can definitely see how this is an influential film. And I feel like if I were, if I still worked on film, if I still did stuff with it, I could see myself taking inspiration from this movie, especially the, the character of Zappano. I think he's such a, he's such a, a flawed character in every sense of the word, but you kind of root for him a little bit. You know, even though you know he's terrible. That's a feature that is presented nowadays in a lot of movies that a lot of people consider like dude bro or like film bro movies. Like American Psycho, Joker, Fight Club, right? Mm -hmm. Where the main character is kind of an asshole and they're bad. A lot of people see themselves in them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just goes to show it's not a new thing that exists. It's always kind of a feat to pull off a terrible person that you kind of feel sorry for at points. Yeah. But you feel more sorry for Jesselmina because yeah. like she she kind of is she kind of is resigned to the fact that she's going to be with this man forever because if she doesn't stick with him who's going to? Right. You know, she feels like that is her purpose. That's her life purpose is to be with this man. But she she always she also mentioned that she has nowhere else to go. Yeah. She did say that. I think in those words. So and they're kind of just stuck with each other. And I feel like at the point that he even offers to bring her back home, she feels so tainted by what she's seen, which was the fool dying, that she can't go back home. You know, right. it's never going to be the same. She can't go to her home to her, her siblings and her mother because... The world has now... Yeah, she doesn't want to go home. She yeah. says that she doesn't She doesn't feel like... She doesn't miss home anymore. Yeah, home was with him, and he kind of took that kind of yeah, this... fragile <laughs> world that they had yeah. built and crushed it completely. Yeah, it's kind of because... a Bonnie and Clyde situation. Because of his anger and, and his unwillingness to to compromise or... Or be vulnerable in any type of way. It's very Bonnie and Clyde, though. Like, he like he doesn't really care for her in the beginning, and then he kind of brings her down. Mm-hmm. And then they end up both being ruined by the end. Yeah. And kind of same thing happens here, where they, he doesn't really care. Yeah. But I do, I do think it's telling that at least we don't see him... Well, we kind of do see him with another woman. Yeah, we see him with another woman where he's at a restaurant where he mm-hmm. spends almost half of what he paid for his wife. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about at the end when he, he oh, like, yeah. left okay. her. Like, there's still someone that I guess could be his assistant. Or she could just be a part of the circus. It's kind of... To me, it was a little unclear. I don't know. But... You don't know if he has, like, continued the cycle of taking in young women and changing them or or corrupting them in some type of way. We don't know. But he does, he does feel remorse because at the end he's on a beach crying. We've all been there. Yeah. Have, have we? 
There's that shot of when they're both still together towards the end when he went into the water, he like pulled up his pants and like got his legs wet and I could just imagine how cold that felt. <laughs> and I feel like if everyone's gonna end up there when it's <laughs> just cold in the ocean water. Thinking about life. Thinking about where you go from here. Yeah, my tears look small next to the ocean. That's why I like to cry <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> oh gosh. But I just think overall this is, has been probably my favorite Fellini. I have not seen anything past Knights of Kiberia. Yeah, you're going in a row. Yeah. I was lucky enough to see some of these in theaters. Not when they came out. Obviously. when it was the 100th anniversary of Fellini. His birth date. Well, if he was alive, yeah. it would have he would have turned 100 just a couple of years ago. I did not watch this one in the big screen, though. But this was my first Fellini movie when I did start watching his movies. And I think it is probably the best place to start, unless you're going to go through literally everything. If you're just going to go through stages, I think this is it. Yeah, probably. If you if you have no interest in, in watching his earlier works, I will say if you do have interest, I would watch those first because it does kind of like... I think if you watched this first... You'd probably have high expectations for his earlier stuff, and it's they're just not there. Not that they're bad, they're That's, just not. I, I disagree. I think they're all good. I, I think th- they're good, but they're not anything like this. Well, I think they have elements of this. I think all of them combined in experience for him to make this. I don't think here he did anything that he's never done before. He just combined things he's done before into this movie, and it came out just right. I mean, I guess, but I'd still say that, like, especially the white sheik is a little pulpy, you know? Yeah, the white sheik's probably my least favorite, but if you're going to skip one, the Variety of Lights probably gives you the wrong idea because it really wasn't directed by him. It just gets a credit as a thank you. And to kind of establish himself in the Italian filmmaking scene. to kickstart him, but Yeah. yeah, it's really not him. It's good, though. It's I would watch all of them all over again, but if if you're... I mean, not everyone has time for, what, 26 movies, so I would just start here and then skip a couple and continue. Is Because he, he worked until the 90s. I don't think I'd go that far. I haven't really seen those yet, which I will by maybe the end of the year if we keep on this track. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like there's four essential movies that are going to be covering, and then there's other really good ones sprinkled around them right so i guess to kind of give you an idea of how much we liked this film why don't we go ahead and rate it yeah i gave it a nine out of ten i also gave it a nine out of ten it's my highest rated one that i've given him so far and i don't know if any of the other ones that i haven't seen are gonna top this but this was definitely i'm certain knowing you that la dolce vita is gonna be your favorite but watch me be wrong, I guess. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I think that's all for this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Um, if we're going to be talking about this, about Fellini for the next couple episodes. So hopefully... Yes, the whole month of April. So hopefully this won't get too tedious for everybody, but... Well, if it gets tedious, there's... 80 other episodes that are not about Fellini. We even have other Italian directors. So we have Cinema Paradiso. 
We have Bicycle Thieves. Maybe some I'm forgetting. Lucas. <laughs> That's in <laughs> Italy. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>